Good afternoon. You're listening to KGPR, Great Falls at 89.9 FM. I'm Matt Donnelly, and here in the studio with me is music director and conductor of the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. As always, a pleasure. Uh, It's always great to be here, Matt. Thank you. Well, we just wrapped up another successful season, capping off with a very exciting Pink Martini concert. And now there are plans already made for the upcoming season. Can you tell us what we'll be expecting? Yeah, of course. Yeah, we actually uh, had our uh, Pink Martini concert just this last week, and they were great. And uh, such wonderful folks and such an exciting show. So... um, we still have, now we're sort of getting into the mode for next year pretty seriously. I mean, it's something wow. that's been, you know, months and perhaps even years in the planning, but uh, now we can really start turning our attention to it. Um, yeah, so I, I think, you know, we, uh, each concert has a different flavor next year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we want to start things out with something that's going to really generate some interest, generate some excitement, something that's going to be just a little bit different, but also something that uh, really intriguing. And so uh, this next year, we're going to start with a concert of music from video games. And Ooh, um, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think if uh, if you're a video game fan, that's that's exciting. And you know that there's all these great soundtracks out there. Um, if you're not a video game fan, you might have this notion that it consists mostly of sort of electronic beeping noises but um it, it, one of the fascinating things about game music is that the as the technology progresses the music does too and mm. the the sort of the more powerful the computers get the the more sophisticated the music can get and wow. it's actually reached a point where video game music and um film music actually have a lot in common as sort of oh, yeah. tasks mm-hmm. and a lot of the video game scores that are made now are actually recorded by live musicians the way that film scores are often mm. are too so um we're, we're doing a bunch of music from mostly indie games we're going to start with some tetris but uh mm-hmm. um but music from Celeste, music from Braid, which is a personal favorite game of mine. Ooh, nice. Um, the one that I wanted to feature here um, is from uh, Ori and the Blind Forest, which is Ooh. one of my favorite uh, game scores. And I think what it illustrates is the composer for that game is a uh, British guy named Gareth Coker, and he's someone who got his start in film music. And so when you listen to this particular track, um, you'll hear that influence right away. This is very cinematic music. This Mm. is something that'd be right out of some sort of sweeping epic scene of your favorite superhero movie, that kind of sound. So (laughs) um, you'll absolutely hear the way that film music has um, crossed over into the video game music uh, world. Excellent. And here is a snippet from Ori and and the Blind Forest. Let's listen in.
welcome back. This is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM, public radio for North Central Montana, and here in the studio with me is Grant Harville, the music director and conductor of the Great Falls Symphony. That's kind of interesting that the symphony is going to feature video game music. Yeah, well... And not very often do you hear that in an orchestral setting. Yeah, well, it's getting more and more popular, and I think it will become more and more popular. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons is that as game music gets more and more complicated as the technology allows that to happen um, more and more games get symphonic like scores so Ooh. it translates to the uh, the orchestra really well um, and it should be a really great way to kick off our season so that that'll be our opener is music from those games uh, in, in October um, our November concert is one that I'm also really excited about. Um, mm. uh, Caitlin Sizzler, who's a soprano that we've had come sing with us a few times, and she's fantastic. She's going to join us again for a couple of pieces, um, one by Samuel Barber called uh, Knoxville Summer of 1915, which is a sort of dreamy reminiscence of a childhood oh, in wow. sort of warm weather south. It's a gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous piece, and she'll do a great job. Uh, she's also going to be singing... Um, uh, Glitter and Be Gay from Candide, a Leonard Bernstein song. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like right in her wheelhouse. It's got all these sort of high-flying um, acrobatic kinds of singing, and that's <laughs> stuff she does really well. So that's really exciting. But we're also going to be sort of debuting um, this uh, project, which I'm really excited about, called the Second Performance Project. And mm. essentially what it is is, um, you know, when you're a composer, uh, you premiere pieces, you get commissioned, you write them, you have a premiere, and that's great, and it's awesome, and everybody loves it. Um, The question is, what happens next? Mm -hmm. And usually, for most pieces, that's nothing. Oh, uh, you know, there's there's no real opportunity for those pieces to get played again. And so we wanted to start something where um, if you've had a piece premiered, Mm -hmm. um, we would offer opportunities to get those pieces played a second time. Oh, yeah. And so this is going to be our first case of that. Uh, We chose a piece by... um, Composer based in New York named Hansel Choi called Outcry. It's a really fun sort of upbeat, a little bit John Adamsy kind oh. of driving rhythmic sort of piece with a uh, feature a little bit of minimalism in there too. Yeah, in the sense of having those sort of driving uh, repeated chords and uh, the composer's a, uh, a percussionist, so it has mm. a bunch of uh, really interesting percussion parts. Um, the big piece on this program, the the um, the one that's sort of the centerpiece is Enigma Variations by Edward Elgar. Oh, yes. <laughs> and um, so that's really exciting. It, uh, uh, it's a great way to feature the orchestra. Everybody has lots to do. And um, the variations, it's uh, a set of variations on a theme. Uh, and each one is kind of a tribute to someone who is important in his own life. And mm. it's called Enigma Variations because there's sort of little hints as to who they are. Some of them are wow. more obvious than others. Um, and there's some hints that he himself has sort of worked his own personality into the whole piece as well. So it's a, it's a very personal personal statement as well as being a big kind of orchestral uh, showpiece. Um, the one that we're going to feature, uh, that we're going to listen to now, is the one that you have to listen to when mm-hmm. you're listening to uh, the Enigma Variations, which is Nimrod. Ah, uh, the famous Nimrod. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is... Uh, one that he wrote for a very dear friend whose last name was Jaeger, and Jaeger is the German word for hunter. Ooh. Nimrod is the famous hunter from the Bible. So that was the sort of hint that he was mm-hmm. giving uh, uh, the identity of this particular person. And uh, it's, it's, um, 
it inspired some of Elgar's most beautiful writing. In fact, some of anybody in history's most beautiful writing. It's it's one of Elgar's most beloved works, and for obvious reasons, it's this gorgeous adagio that um, a lot of people actually play separately from the whole piece because it's just mm. a, such a lovely piece. So, um, but plenty of other great writing in that piece <laughs> as well. But this is definitely the one that people know. And here is the famous Nimrod from the Enigma Variations by Sir Edward Elgar. Let's listen in.
Yeah, definitely a very popular piece, the Nimrod variation, the Nimrod from the Enigma variations, just, mm-hmm. a, a, just a beautiful piece that, that fits perfectly for November when it's kind of a, kind of, I guess, kind of a peaceful time, especially in the fall. And there's something kind of autumn-like about the Nimrod. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, as I was saying before, every one of these is a tribute, right? And mm-hmm. you can hear um, uh, Elgar's own sort of... Uh, feelings about these people that he knew sort of come through. And mm. as you say, if, if fall feels like a time of kind of reflection for a lot of people, um, mm. that's, that really comes through. And that's actually part of why the barber, as I mentioned earlier, the, the Knoxville summer of 1915 is on the same program, because that also has this kind of reflective quality about thinking about your own life and the people who've, uh, who've affected it. Yeah, that's kind of a yeah, nice uh, musical tribute to the ones that are closer to us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I know that, uh, of course, it can't be complete without a Christmas concert coming yeah, up, especially uh, in December. <laughs> yeah, and we'll we'll have our choir back for our December concert next year, as we always do. Um, you know, the the theme of our uh, holiday concert is let's have a good time at the holidays. That's sort of what it usually is. Uh, if if there's something that's a little bit more specific this time around, is that we're really focusing on. Um, uh, sort of a little bit of childlike wonder and things like that. Um, so I don't know if you consider the movie Home Alone to be childlike wonder or <laughs> vicious violence or something like that, but we'll do the three, uh, the three holiday songs from Home Alone by John Williams. Um, we'll also do um, a piece called The Magic Toy Shop mm. by Ottorino Respighi. Uh, uh, sort of a, it's a ballet a series of dances that he wrote uh, about a magic toy shop, mm. uh, which seemed uh, appropriate for the holidays. And um, the piece that I've chosen to listen to is actually one of my favorite holiday concert songs to do. It's uh, from the musical Babes in Toyland by Victor Herbert. Yeah, I've uh, heard of that one. And mm. uh, it's one of the most famous excerpts from it, which is the march, which is this very sort of playful toy toy soldier kind of uh, march, which which I find really is just sort of engaging and cute and sort of gets me in the right mood for this kind of program. And it's often heard in a lot of Christmas concerts, especially in the symphony under that circuit. Right. You know, it's it it fits with the orchestra really well. And um, yeah, there's something about this sort of playful (laughs) that captures the spirit very well. Excellent. And here is The March from Babes in Toyland by Victor Herbert. Let's listen in. Thank you. 
Welcome back. This is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM. I'm Matt Donnelly, and once again in the studio with me is music director and conductor of the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Arville. Uh, thanks, Matt. It's always good to be here. And since we are talking about the upcoming symphony season, the 65th to be exact, mm-hmm. and this sounds, so far, it sounds this is going to be a, another great season. Uh, we uh, certainly think so, and uh you know, we've gone through our first three concerts, just a little touch of each one of those. So we're, we're passing into 2024 um, and our January show. Uh, in January, we often do slightly smaller forces for our concerts, something a little bit uh, mm. more intimate. And in this case, uh, we're featuring uh, Haydn's Farewell Symphony. Uh, which ah. is most famous. It was basically Haydn getting annoyed with his employer for making them uh, <laughs> work away from home for too long. So he so wrote a piece which ends with everybody leaving the stage in the middle of the music. <laughs> so as a not so subtle hint that uh, everybody wanted to go home. Um, we also have a violinist coming in named Ariel uh, Horowitz, who um, is going to play a Bach violin concerto. Bach mm. wrote two violin concertos and uh uh, they both have a really sort of famous hook to them. We're doing the A minor violin concerto. Mm. Um, the piece that I've chosen to listen to uh, to pair with our Haydn is by Handel. Um, and this is the music for the Royal Fireworks. Um, Handel was German, but he spent much of his career in England uh, writing operas and oratorios and also occasionally writing music for the um, uh, for the royal family, uh, oh. if uh, if you were paying attention to the coronation, <laughs> the, one of the pieces that they do every single coronation is uh, for the English king or queen is Zadok the priest. Which yeah, is, mm-hmm. uh, one of it's a Handel piece. So um, he his music has been sort of intimately tied with the royal family ever since. Uh, he lived in England in the sort of early to mid 1700s, and uh, this music for the Royal Fireworks was music to be played uh, at the entertainment of the king as fireworks were being shot from from the Thames River. So uh, this is very much outdoors music in that way. Lots of trumpets <laughs> and the they had the loud instruments. The way that if you have outdoor music today, you you get all the amplifiers you can get and these giant speakers and pump it as loud as you can. They didn't have that option, so they just had to use the loudest instruments they had. So trumpets and timpani and uh, oboes and things like that. Uh, the movement I've chosen to listen to is called uh, the réjouissance, which just means the um, joy, gladness, uh, <laughs> delight, that kind of thing. And probably the most famous music from the fireworks music. And here is a joyful piece of the music for the Royal Fireworks, a little movement from this particular famous piece by Georg Friedrich Handel. Let's listen in. (laughs) 
Yeah, you got to love Handel. It's, it's just yeah. uh, another great staple in the concert world. Um, other than his Messiah, often played during a Christmas time, but this is another opportunity to do another Handel piece as well. Yeah, and you know they sort of show different sides of what he his life was like, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, again, opera was a big part of that too, but doing these uh, big choral orchestral works, but again, also these sort of occasional pieces, which is what the fireworks music would have been in the sense of being written for a special occasion, written to accompany a very specific event and being very tailored to, you know, things exploding and things like mm-hmm. that. So uh, you need trumpets if things are going to explode. That's basically the way that that works. So. And of course, February is also the time where everybody falls in love. Even the symphony is going to be falling right. in love again. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, we always plan this a, a little bit around uh, Valentine's Day. And we try to have music which is romantic in one sense or another. That can mean about <laughs> 800 different things. Um, in this case, uh, we're sort of turning up the heat, you might say. So all of the pieces are inspired by um, sort of warm climates in one mm. way or another. Our principal flute, Norman Manzales, is going to actually be playing a piece by a Filipino composer, mm. um, which is actually a violin concerto, but he's adapting it to the flute. Wow. And uh, we think that this is going to be the uh, first performance of that version. So that's really exciting. Um, Buenaventura is the composer's name. And and uh, Norman has a sort of Filipino heritage, and so mm-hmm. it's a really sort of personal project for him. That's going to be really great. And then um, Nikolai, R- Nikolai Rimsky-Korsakov's uh, Capriccio Espanol his sort of a uh, love letter to Spain is uh, how it will be and ending the concert. It's got some sort of flamenco and uh, various Spanish dance touches uh, in there as well as some big trumpet fanfares for the bullfight and things like that. Um, but the opener is um, uh, El Salon Mexico by Aaron Copeland mm-hmm. uh, inspired by his uh, visit to that country and uh, a particular uh, sort of, club uh, that he mm-hmm. went to as well so there's some touches uh, hints of sort of mariachi influence and things like that as well so uh, again it's it's very um it's romantic in the sense of um uh, being very emotionally touching and a very emotionally wow. charged mm-hmm. uh, as well as being kind of love letters to these places and people that um, they knew. So um, we'll be listening to some of the Copeland, I believe, and uh, very exciting, again, uh, Mexican-inspired piece. An exciting piece by Aaron Copeland, El Salon, Mexico. Let's listen in.
This is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM. I am Matt Donnelly, and here in the studio with me is music director and conductor for the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. And we are doing a little preview of next season's concerts. Yeah, the Great Falls Symphony's uh, 23-24 season, now that we've uh, mostly wrapped up at least our concerts for uh, the current year. So... um, just yeah, giving giving a little bit of a taste, and we're we're almost to the end. Uh, just a couple left. Um, <laughs> our April concert is, um, as I say, it's twenty twenty four, and April is the two hundredth anniversary of the premiere of Beethoven's Ooh, Ninth Symphony, one of the greatest classical pieces ever written. Yeah, certainly um, a, an anniversary we want to celebrate for sure. So um, we'll be uh, bringing back Beethoven's Ninth, which is really exciting. We'll actually be pairing it with another Beethoven piece, another choral piece of his called uh, Calm Sea and Prosperous Voyage. Um, the sort of uh, bit of trivia that everybody likes to point out is that calm seas are bad. They're very bad. <laughs> yep. you, you don't want to get stuck in the middle of the ocean. So uh, essentially in a piece like that, um, 
you get very still music at the beginning, but once you uh, once the music picks up and you get the wind and the mm-hmm. waves, <laughs> then you get the prosperous voyage. So it's almost like the old saying: "Red sky in the morning, sailor take warning." <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You. Uh, um, very much dependent on what the weather gives you when you're in that particular trade. So that'll be our opener. But yeah, we'll we'll be um, um, uh, ending that that concert with Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And the selection from it that I've chosen is actually sort of the the crux of the piece. It's sort of the moment mm. that really matters. So four movement piece. The first three movements are they're great. They're fantastic. They're epic. Um, but they're sort of still kind of recognizably a normal symphony, just sort of more so, if you mm-hmm. want to say that. Um, bigger and bolder and more intense. Um, but once you get to the beginning of the fourth movement is the, where the weird thing happens, where the cellos and basses, um, I, I like to say that they sort of become aware. They, they like a, like uh, <laughs> some sort of... Uh, um, Terminator 2 style machine that becomes aware of its own existence Uh and um, it starts commenting on the music. So the music will, um, they'll play a little bit of the first movement and the cellos and basses will interrupt and say, no, 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 we're not doing that. (laughs) And then a bit of the second movement and the cellos and basses interrupt again and say, no, no, we're not doing that. And eventually what they do is they steer us to the Ode to Joy. They steer us to that tune. Like, we're not doing those first three movements anymore. We're going to do... um, we're going to take us in a different direction. And later on, when the singers come in, the baritone with his big uh, big solo that starts it off says, basically makes this explicit and gives Ooh. us the words that we haven't heard so far, saying, friends, not these sounds, not these notes, um, but rather let us sing something more um, more joyful and more pleasant. And essentially, that's what the cellos and basses are trying to tell us the whole time. So this little snippet, it's about six or seven minutes long, is this moment where the cellos and basses take us away from the first three movements and towards the Ode to Joy. Excellent. And here is a snippet from the Ninth Symphony by Ludwig von Beethoven. Let's listen in.
You just heard the a little bit of an excerpt from the Symphony Number no. 9 by Ludwig von Beethoven, who once said, music is like a dream, one that I cannot hear. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, well, and, and, you know, a lot of people talk about, I, you know, I was mentioning before how this moment, this the beginning of the fourth movement of this symphony, why it's such an interesting moment in sort of the history of Western music. Mm-hmm. And people do speculate that, um, you know, with Beethoven's deafness, um, it sort of forced him or allowed him to think about things in a slightly different way from other people and to become perhaps something more unconventional than other people um, were. So um, uh, I won't call it a blessing. It's certainly not something he was happy about or mm-hmm. proud of or Definitely enjoyed. not. <laughs> uh, but it, um, the, the world of Western music would have been very different, I think, if Beethoven hadn't lost his hearing. Yep. And he created such wonderful and beautiful, majestic music, and yet he didn't let his disability get the best of him. Sure. It's like um, he can actually hear it in his head, but he just right. couldn't hear it. Well, and, you know, the the way I always think about this with, with all music, really, is, um, you know, music is something that, sure, it comes in through the ears, but it's something that we create ourselves when we're mm-hmm. listening. And so... Um, a performance that you imagine, the performance that you sort of sing inside your own head is just as valid a performance as the one that comes in via your eardrums. So I, I think what Beethoven clearly was was someone who was a very good performer mm-hmm. with, within his own mind, if you know what I mean by that. And last but not least, Charlie Chaplin is coming back. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we had such a good response from our audience uh, when we did City Lights a couple mm-hmm. years ago. And um, so we knew that we were going to want to bring another Chaplin film. Uh, oh, with, that's with awesome. <laughs> um, and the, yeah, the one we selected is Gold Rush, The Gold Rush. Ah. Um, <laughs> and uh, sort of detailing Charlie Chaplin's most famous, famous mustachioed character as he heads up to... Uh, the Alaskan wilderness to uh, become a, sort of a gold prospector with uh, all sorts of minor and semi-major calamities happening along the way, as you would expect from that. Uh, sort of uh, difficult winters and uh, having trouble. There's a scene where they sort of eat their shoes and things That's like that. That's a famous uh, movie scene where he was eating uh, pretty, uh, pretty the sole of, of, of a boot yeah, pretty exactly much. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly right. Um, it's also the one that has uh, the very famous scene with the dinner roll dance where he puts forks yeah. and rolls mm-hmm. and he does a little dance with them <laughs> and things like that. Um, the one reason I freely admit that I want to do this is that there's this one tune in this, in this film that happens a bunch of times as uh, movie themes have, generally do through, uh, scattered throughout the movie. Um, it's this lovely little tune. This it is one of my favorite melodies in the history of the world. Oh wow! It's just absolutely gorgeous. And as I say, it's not. It's no exaggeration to say that a significant percentage of the reason we're doing this particular film is because I like that tune so much, and so I want the opportunity to hear it. The the excerpt that I've chosen here, this is from the soundtrack, which uh, the movie came out in 1925. Um, Chaplin, that was sort of pre-movie soundtrack time. Mm -hmm. So Chaplin wrote this soundtrack in 1942 to to go with this. Um, So Chaplin wrote his own music for his films. Mm -hmm. And and so the the music comes from slightly later. Um, 
but it, it's still influenced a lot by that time, the 20s. And so the excerpt that I've chosen, which is the very end, I won't spoil what actually happens mm-hmm. here, um, but you'll hear a couple of things. One is this sort of 20s influence where you get this sort of dance hall kind of music, sort of waltz, polka, foxtrot kind of tunes mm. that come through. It also starts with a section... Um, that quotes, uh, for he's a jolly good fellow. Oh, wow. Which, uh, another thing that in silent movies you often did, you know, you didn't have dialogue to get the plot going, so you would use these tunes that people knew and knew the sort of what they would be used for Mm -hmm. uh, in ways to help explain the plot. There's another scene in this film where it's New Year's Eve, and so the the score has Auld Lang Syne Ah, in mm -hmm, it. So, mm -hmm. again, just to give those extra hints to the audience. But... um, yeah, so you get he for he's a jolly good fellow. You get these sort of dance tunes, and you get that awesome, awesome, awesome melody all in, <laughs> all in this one chunk right at the end of the film. And here is music from the Gold Rush by Charlie Chaplin. Let's listen in. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back. This is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM, public radio for North Central Montana. I'm Matt Donnelly, and here in the studio is Grant Harville, music director and conductor of the Great Falls Symphony. As always, welcome back. Thank you so much, Matt. And, um, you know, as I say, we've been previewing our season. Um, that's, that's, that's it. for Those are our shows for the orchestra. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll also just remind folks that we have... Our chamber music series will be going strong as it has. Um, our youth orchestra and our youth chamber music programs will um, have their concerts as well. We're also doing something that we do every few years, which is to have a standalone choir concert. Mm. The, choir, the choir will be performing with the orchestra a couple of times, both uh, for the holiday concert and for the Beethoven's Ninth. But um, they'll be doing a show on their own as well, something wow. with, without the orchestra. So that's something that they like to do sort of for themselves. But, mm-hmm. um, you know... Um, you know, for for them to sort of take on their own identity just a little bit, and mm-hmm. um, and so that's that'll be a nice thing um, for this season as well. But uh, yeah, um, you know, I would encourage people. We'll be um, you know bombarding people with details <laughs> over the next uh, few months and reminding people about how to, how to do that. But certainly be um, checking your email and checking our website, uh, thegfsymphony.org, um, for more information about all of it and do you have any information like as far as ticketing goes like if you want if they want to do a, a season pass um yeah how would they do that we certainly do subscriptions that way um I, again i would suggest checking our website first that'll that'll be the easiest place for that kind of uh information uh rather than me explaining it but cert- um, the subscriptions happen first and then the single ticket sales happen after that and mm-hmm. uh, and there are a lot of sort of details about subscriptions different kinds of subscriptions again um, better to head to the website to find that information than to try and memorize the things that I would say on the air right now so and then like I said this is going to be another uh, exciting symphony season it absolutely is um, so much good stuff and um, some really fun guests as well as uh, yeah um, I, I think we're excited about it lots of um, yeah lots of lots of stuff to be really looking forward to and do you have any closing thoughts at this time uh, no enjoy your summer yeah you and, bet yeah, you do <laughs> yeah thanks uh, it's all it's been a great year and coming on the show Matt and um, look forward to uh, um, yeah kicking it off again when we uh, meet back in the fall you bet. I'm definitely looking forward to some more interviews and, and delving more into the music that's going to be played. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll dig in for sure. Once again, I'm Matt Donnelly, and here in the studio with me was music director and conductor of the Great Falls Symphony, Grant Harville. Yeah, great to be here, Matt. And this is KGPR Great Falls at 89.9 FM.